This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Namai, Haere mai, Kiora Tanakwe, Free FM 89.0, Independent Community Media. This is the reboot of Cosmopolitan News and Views this Sunday afternoon. It is, of course, 8 August 2021. Good afternoon, Mel Driscoll. Good afternoon, everyone, and rain in Hamilton. Some cheery faces in our studio. We love to see it. Andrea Hacker-Page came here seven years ago. Yes. Years ago, and what was in your mind? What would you find here that didn't? Um, my ex-husband, he's he's from America, so he was in Mexico, and yes, he said like, okay, we we need to move out from Mexico. <laughs> so my options were San Francisco or New Zealand. And I decided, okay, let's go to New Zealand. Why not? You chose us. <laughs> I, 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 after seven years, I do think New Zealand's safer because you hear a lot of drug problems and, and, and of course, in Mexico. So uh, New Zealand is a safe haven for you. That was the second. Uh, that, that that was my. That's that's why I wanted to say like this. Um, ex-husband was American, and I think all of the idea of Mexico or Latin America came from that American stories. It's not as dangerous or unsafe that you think. It's a, it's a really, really nice country and the whole, you know, Latin America or Spain, they, yeah. they yes, it, it's not as bad as you can't, you know, every you country, say, but... Every country has its showcase to show the world. Yes, yes, well, it is. Well, of course, there is a country, there's a place in Texas which was once the Lone Star State and was under Spanish control for so many years and remember the Alamo. Well, the city I'm talking about, the town is El Paso, but there is an El Paso also El Paso. in Spain in the Canary Islands. <laughs> and we remember this song called El Paso. This is the late Marty Robbins. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Nighttime would find me in Rose's Cantina, music would play and Torino would whirl. Blacker than night were the eyes of Felina, wicked and evil while casting a spell. My love was deep for this Mexican maiden I was in love but in vain I could tell One night a wild young cowboy came in Wild as the West Texas wind Dashing and daring a drink he was sharing With wicked Felina, the girl that I love so in anger, I challenged his right for the love of this maiden Down put his hand for the gun that he wore 
My challenge was answered in less than a heartbeat. The handsome young stranger lay dead on the floor. Well, you get the story. It goes on for a little while longer, but uh, you see the influences of Spanish and the guitar and the locations where El Paso and Texas, the, the Spanish feel. You, you get that too? Yes. Yes, of course, because we are just next to the to the states. It's a lot of influence, and also the past. You know, all of these states in America, the, um, they have like Spanish names mm-hmm. because they belong to Mexico. Have they were re- part of Mexico. Have you ever been to El Paso in Texas? Oh yes, <laughs> I've been there. And when you come to a place, there's expectations of what it should be, what it will be, not always fulfilled. What did you think New Zealand would offer? Oh, I love the people in New Zealand. People here, you know, firstly, the language. The language, it's completely different to my modern language. And people, it's very patient. You know, they, they are so understanding even you know I I used to live in Auckland and when I moved to Hamilton like three years ago I I found out like Hamilton is actually one of uh, people are nicer and people is so cool in Hamilton I love I love being here so I don't think I want to go back to Auckland well uh, I love Auckland don't get me wrong but um, Hamilton And when you think of the way of life that you were born to, Andrea, growing up, in Mexico, what kind of a place was it? A small village? No, was I'm originally from Mexico City, so it's not small at all. It's 23 million people just in the city. And the smog. (laughs) It used to be a problem, the air quality, because... Yes, it, it is. These days, uh, we, yeah, it's a lot of rules that the government has placed. So it's uh, it's controlled, of course, because the amount of people there, it's... Lots of cars. Right. So it, it is quite bad. And, and, of course, and, of course, you hosted the Olympic Games back in 1968. Yes. Yes, we did. That's uh, a while ago. <laughs> you, you, you were probably around. I, I was. was but. I, I wasn't sorry, <laughs> but but, <laughs> but my my parents they they've told me stories and and yes they they enjoyed a lot. At that time, there was talk among the economists of the world that Mexico was reaching the point of breakthrough, that it would take off the economy and it would become a rich nation. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> no, at that um, yes. Back in the 60s, 70s, Mexico had a, um, yeah, the economy and the country in general. They were doing really, really good mm-hmm. until 1994 that, yeah, that something happened there with the dollar. And what do you miss most of Mexico? But hopefully my mom is not listening to this, so <laughs> food, <laughs> Mexican food. Oh, and, there, there, and so you you're a, you go to the Mexican restaurant here in town, do you, every once in a while? Oh, yes, yes. I, I go at least once a month, but um, definitely 
food is, is the one that I really, really miss the most. But um, my family, too. Uh, uh, my, my mom and two brothers, they are still in Mexico. Of course, that's when Zoom comes in. So you get on Zoom and away you go. Yes. Yes. You didn't speak English then till? I, I did a little bit. And yeah, all of uh, I lived for a while in, in America, but in America, the, you know, like Los Angeles or Florida, it's mm -hmm. full of Latinos. So I didn't use English on my everyday life. When I came here, I started to say, oh, maybe I don't speak English that well, <laughs> you know, um, the accent. The, um, I remember this time in flying from San Francisco to Auckland that I approached the um, front desk of the Air New Zealand. And then they say, Kia ora, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was shocked. I was like, oh, firstly, what does Kiara mean? I didn't know. And then the accent, I didn't want to speak in English because they, they were like, pardon me? Like, can I get my boarding pass? <laughs> Mexico's an interesting land because there are people of different ethnicities yes. who are part of the nation. In your family's case, do you know where people came from before? Yes. Um, my, well, my family's um, from Spain. Mm -hmm. Usually we, we are a um, Spanish colony. So they, we... Yeah, we got independence um, from Spain. So my family comes from Spain and France. And my grandpa, he's from Canada, from my father's side. So you can trace your family back to the roots through Christopher Columbus and other explorers. Yes, that... yes maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yes. You're still exploring <laughs> in New Zealand. What have you done during your seven years here? I haven't traveled around New Zealand. Plenty of time. You know, it's because when you live in a country like this country is amazing, has a lot of um, nature and things to offer. But when you live here, you you are like, okay, maybe, <laughs> you know, next year or my next holidays, I just will go oh, to the South Island and I will do it. And I didn't. So last year, well, you know, was this um, COVID stop. At the end of the lockdown, I said like, oh, maybe this is my chance, you know, because every time that I had the opportunity to go overseas, of course, I wanted to see my family. So I went to Mexico and and since the yeah end of last year, I started to travel more. But still, I haven't been even at the Coromandel Peninsula. So up, I want to go yeah. there. Up, up to today, New Zealand is COVID-free, and I'll be doing a check with the health ministry after one o'clock this afternoon. But aren't you happy that we are COVID-free? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm so happy and I, I'm sure everyone that has family overseas, mm -hmm. they can relate to this. They, they, ha, they yeah. are having, the whole world is having a, yeah. a hard time. We can understand why, because in a place such as Mexico City, so many people, yes. dense population, 
contact tracing it'd be so difficult oh yes yes uh, i i am pretty sure that's just a chaos you know my my mother um when i said oh i really really miss you i want to see you and she's like i do i miss you a lot yeah but you are fine there don't come this way yeah. please until yeah. you know maybe uh, uh more years more i don't know i'm not sure yeah. but uh yes i'm I'm so happy and you know what's amazing the um, what we did and when i said we did it's because uh was like a team work yeah. you know the whole country was uh, i didn't i cannot explain how did i feel when you know was the the first lockdown mm-hmm. and just looking through the window and i'm like oh this is for real people are following and yep. stick at, um uh, on the rules yep I, i i mel and i couldn't come in here we were we were we were banned from being in here but uh, we had other recorded stuff to play on various shows but i felt lonely at home during covid lockdown it, it, it was it was not it was not real yes yes when Yeah, I, I did FaceTime or, you know, video call my family and they was COVID wasn't um, as hard as was, let's say, here at the beginning. So they they were OK. They were having a normal lives. And I said, hey, we are in lockdown here. And my mom said, OK, show me. I don't believe you. And I'm like, I promise this looks like one of these movies you know that no one at home um, no one on the streets you go to the supermarket w- was amazing ha- have you had the covid jab i'm still contemplating getting it in the next few weeks have you had the covid jab yes i did i did at the beginning of march because i'm a spanish interpreter as well mm-hmm. so i'm i go to the hospital quite often yeah and that's why i'm the first line Yeah. Well, you, you said that the languages, yours and ours, mother tongues, were very different. Are the people who go with them different too? Yes, yes. It is um, the language actually, that's why I'm here today. And later on you will, yeah. Yeah. You will listen to to huh? one of my students yeah. that it's English speakers it's um they are very interested in Spanish and you don't realize how easy it is for you to speak Spanish really yes i will find out shortly just just is it urban myth that round about round about midday in mexico the mexicans go into siesta they all fall asleep somewhere is that is that urban myth or is that a Is that a rumor? No, that's a rumor. <laughs> so they don't go into siesta mood at lunchtime. Sounds good. No, no, we are not. Unfortunately, yeah, that's more from Spain maybe. Yeah. But, well, still my grandma did it. Like, oh, you know, like grandmothers, like. they qualify any time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll come back to you shortly. Have you ever been to the Mexican party town of Tijuana? Tijuana, yeah. yes, yes. It is time to rev this one up with Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass and the Tijuana Taxi.
I have seen uh, pictures of Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass wearing sombreros and as part of their costume <laughs> yes. back, back in the 60s. That was a popular tune all over the world. Our guest is Andrea Hacker-Page, established in New Zealand, finding the role of interpretation in demand. Did you get the impression that New Zealand is exposed more and more to the need for Spanish translation because we have more people coming from Spain or Latin America? Yes, mostly uh, the, um, Colombian refugees. Mm-hmm. It's a huge commu- uh, Colombian refugees uh, in New Zealand. That's why, yeah, the, every year um, the entire families, they come here. And also because, you know, it's a lot of um, uh, businesses and trades that now they are po- popular in South America with New Zealand and vice versa. So. And is the language of Spanish spoken as with Colombians the same as in Mexico? Yes, it's pretty much the same. Of course, it's like some different words, you know, but um, I'm, I can't do it like pretty much, I, I can't do the interpretation for every, every country that I speak Spanish. Interpreting a language on the spot it's quite an art it's not for everyone oh yes it's not for everyone uh it's just i i was told since my you know studies and trainings that you are a machine Mm -hmm. you just pass the message but some you know at the end of the day you are a human so when i go to the hospital or you know hard cases that I, i i'm i just you know, I, I need help for that. And not help um, doing the translation. It's just more like inner me. It's like, why I have, you know, why I have to say this? Or, But that's my job. Are, are there many people of Spanish extraction in, the, in Hamilton? Because we know it's a very multicultural city, Hamilton. Is there many other Spanish and Mexicans in the city? Mexicans, no. I have just two two friends from Mexico. They are like my favorite people these days. Uh, but as I've said before, the Colombian um, refugees, they, they, they are established in Hamilton yes. and in Vercargrill. Yep. That's the only yep. two cities in New Zealand that they receive. Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, Mel and I have got a friend, Silvana, who used to be with Free FM, and uh, she's from Chile. Yes. So um, that influenced the Spanish, the Portuguese, it's all around us. Yes, that, that, that's really cool. Radio suits different languages. Yes. Yes, that, that does. And, um, you know, I've been, I'm a Spanish interpreter, but um, my, my main job is a Spanish tutor, Spanish teacher. So I, I teach adults um, at Fraser School. The, these evening classes, I have the beginners and the intermediate classes, and I do Spanish. Well, I'm Spanish tutor at Wintec, yeah. too. And that's where Tane comes in. That's okay. when Tane comes here. And Tane, welcome and Kiora to Free FM. What uh, what brings you to learn Spanish? Are you planning a trip, world trip when we come out of COVID? Uh, Yes, I'd say I definitely am. I just uh, love the Latin culture and love Spanish. (laughs) When did that begin? 
uh, began when my family took a trip to the United States and a cruise around the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And one of the places we stopped was Cuba. You were young? Uh, I was, well, this was three years ago now. So I was 21 at the time. And what did you make of Cuba? I loved it. It was, yeah, it's a really incredible place. It's like going back into the past because the old cars, the old buildings, there's horses that they use for taxis taking people around in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, was Fidel Castro still in power? No. <laughs> he, he'd, he'd gone? Yeah, he'd gone. Did you think that these people welcomed the foreigners for more than their money? Uh, yes, I think so. It was because Cuba had been shut off from the world for so long. I think, um, yeah, when tourists could start coming in, they were happy to to share some of their culture and everything with the people that came in. Yeah, that shutdown. Did you read up on history when the Bay of Pigs incident went down with uh, the American president staring down Fidel Castro? Did you take in that history? I don't actually know that history. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's one thing you've got to look at. And, yeah. Um, there's many aspects to a language. A language reflects the culture of the people. It's often tied with the music. Do you like the music? I love the music. The music's incredible. <laughs> do, do, one thing, do they have bullfighting in Cuba? I didn't see any, but um, my, my friend uh, Andrea is nodding, so I'm assuming yeah. yes. <laughs> um, it's a very sick sport, is... Um, is uh, bullfighting, and it, it it wouldn't happen in New Zealand. We've got too many laws about that. The poor old bull who gets it. He gets it in the neck. Literally. Well, of course, Cuba is famous for one thing, cigars. Did you partake of a Cuban cigar while you were in the country? I did try a Cuban cigar when I was in the country, and uh, it was very strong. I definitely couldn't finish it. So, Tane, you seem up to trying new things. How about the dance, the dance of Latin America? Uh, Yes, I love Latin American dance. Um, I mainly dance salsa and bachata. Salsa? That means... Salt, doesn't it? <laughs> More sauce. Sauce, uh, yeah. Right. But a type of dance as well. And what did this form of dance appeal to you with? It was just beautiful. It was very, um, yeah, very passionate, uh, very vibrant. Uh, yeah, it was looked very skillful yeah. by the people that were dancing it, and it just looked like a lot of fun. So you had a look at Dancing with the Stars and had a look when they did the salsa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the sound, it, it is special, isn't it? Different from the other forms of music. The yes, salsa. it is. It's the beat, is it, do you think? Yes, yes, it's the beat, uh, the rhythm. It, it's very fast salsa. And, uh, yeah, you have to be able to move quite quickly to dance it. <laughs> well, let's imagine you're on the dance floor with a partner. <laughs>
another country, of course, that has got a Spanish influence is Puerto Rico. Have you been to Puerto Rico? Unfortunately, I've not been to Puerto Rico. <laughs> so when you came back home, you had this urge to learn the language. So much depends on the tutor as to whether we can have a rapport with that person that we can really absorb that unused to sounds, the sounds. What are the most difficult sounds for a person going from English to Spain? Since you've done that, you should know. <laughs> yes, yes, I should. Um, probably the the hardest sound is the trilled R. We don't really have it in English. The, the ah, yeah. So it takes time to teach a tongue how to do it. Yes, it does. It's like um, it's like building a new like building muscles or building a new skill. It takes a lot of time. It took me about a year to be able to roll my ass to perfect a language. No better way than to be in company of a native speaker. Have you sought out other members of the Spanish-speaking community that you could get to practice? Yes, I have. I um, have quite a few um, Latino friends here in Hamilton, um, quite a few Colombians. Um, as Andrea said, there's yeah, a lot of Colombian refugees and people from Colombia and Hamilton. So I have a lot of people to practice with, which is really a blessing when you're trying to learn a language. And when it comes to the expectations of tutorials or learning a language, the tutor, so important, can awaken an interest. How is it with your tutor, Andrea? Is she one who was able to stimulate the interest in going beyond the words and their meaning or pronunciation to experience just the, the vibes? <laughs> yes, she definitely was. Um, she really did influence my, my Spanish-speaking journey a lot. She was the first, um, the first tutor I had. Um, before then, I was just learning online. And, uh, yeah, I really picked up a lot of the love for the culture and the language from her. And what do you remember of the first lesson? Oh, the first lesson. Um, I remember doing the alphabet and <laughs> on the applications that I'd done online, I'd never actually gone over the Spanish alphabet before. <laughs> and, 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 of course, the food, which I, I noticed the Flying Burrito Brothers here in Hamilton and the CBD, they've got burritos, they've got... Oh, like a taco. So you're into you're into that food also? Yes, I love the food. Um, yeah, Latin food is delicious. Yeah. Did it cost much for the course? The uh, Spanish the Spanish course. Uh, I think you, it was about two hundred dollars for eight good, weeks. Good value. Great value. Uh huh. <laughs> and what do you see your need of Spanish in the future? An interest or more than that? Oh, well, I'm studying Spanish at the university, Spanish and linguistics, and I'm hoping to move over to Latin America after my studies. Oh, you're so, another New Zealander gone west <laughs> or east. <laughs> or you're going to become an interpreter like Andrea. Yes, I definitely see myself doing that. I'll either probably be interpreting or teaching, I think. Of course, when any teacher takes um, a position of conveying knowledge, and there's a range of different people, there are some who are going to come across as brilliant, learning everything on the dot, but others find it truly difficult. Does that slow you down in the classes? Uh, no, I think everyone just does the best that they can, and everyone works and learns from each other. So it's done term by term, is it? Yes. This being the latter stage of a year. Let's check out with Andrea what is the technique of introducing yourself to speakers 
of another language but not Spanish and how to sensitize them to the sounds they need to know. Um, the alphabet was the mentioned. The alphabet, uh, my, my classes are quite different from mm -hmm. other um, classes like regarding uh, language because I, I don't teach grammar at all. Um, so that's when, a relief. Uh, yes, yes, because the, the most of my stu students, like they have, um, they are adults. Like Tane was one of the youngest ones ever. So I have, I had like this term. I have quite um, a few people. And last one, my eldest um, student was seventy nine. Congratulations. Which, well, it's amazing if you go to one of my classes and you you know the average of, of, of adults that they are attending, it's between 60 and above. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the first thing is no grammar. It's a very relaxed class. We, you, you will get used to my accent, yeah. which, which helps, you know, for you to yeah. understand and to catch why, why my accent is quite strong. Um, for English um, speakers, it's really, really easy to speak Spanish yeah. or a phonetic language. We, we mentioned the alphabet. As we found out in the um, Tokyo Olympics, the Japanese alphabet goes all over the place. And you saw the athletes coming in and higgledy-piggledy, as they say, not via A to Z. So where does the Spanish alphabet start? Uh, it's... 27 letters, 26 letters, sorry, A till Z, but we have this N, you know, N with a little thingy, sweet little on top. <laughs> little thingy, I like that. <laughs> well, I will say the name in Spanish, but you, you'll be like, oh, okay, yes. Okay, so, so how do you say good morning in Spanish? Buenos dias. Mm-hmm. We hear yes. that a lot in, in movies on oh, television. Hola. Hola, which is um, hi. And in this class that you typically teach, where there is a range of different ages, what do you identify as the motivation? They, they want to travel, they want to study, or they, do, they want to make business with, mm. with um, Spanish-speaker countries. Mm. Yes, I've been, you know, I have these Fraser schools, and I've also do workshops for big companies, you know, like Fonterra or LIC or Coca-Cola to, to give workshops in Spanish for, for executive and director teams. Does teaching come naturally to you? Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, especially adults. Like I don't teach kids. I don't know. I have my son. My son is six years old. And I don't think I will do the same with kids. Is, is, is he multilingual? Do, do you speak Spanish in your house? I do. He's still quite young to understand that, you know, it's for me, it's important for him um, to speak two languages. Yeah. But uh, to be honest, at this stage, he's like, hey, I wanted to ask you why you speak Spanish. So I said... You know, mommy was born in Mexico. In Mexico, we speak so the whole story. And he said, okay, but we are in New Zealand. Yeah. 
So you have to speak English, okay? Oh, he'll change his tune. <laughs> he'll he'll change he's, his tune. He's, he's also got to learn another language, which is the second official language of Aotearoa, New Zealand, Maori. Maori. Is he looking forward to that? Oh, yes. He, he speaks... Um, of course, fluent English, English, but Maori is the, his second language. He sometimes he he sings these songs in Maori that I'm like, oh wow, he he actually. Oh. He and, and, and of course, sign language is another an official language of New Zealand. Do the Spanish have sign language as we do in this country? It's yes, we in Spanish it's um sign language and it's a different one, but it's you know. The words are different. It's just sign language, but in Spanish. I don't know if that makes sense. It's a different one, but yes, we do. You mentioned, Andrea, that there is two places that you're a tutor at, one being at Fraser High School. That would be the at a, the community education yes. group. And the other at Wintech. Yes. Now, Wintech. how could someone like us join such a class as you teach yeah, well, the Wintech ones is for students that they are doing the, um, teaching English as a second language. Yes. So they need to do one extra language. Yep, I, I, so, I, live, I live near Wintech, so I, I walk through there and I, I see all these different nationalities learning English. It's for their jobs. They're now probably resident in New Zealand, so they need to upskill themselves. Yes, uh, the most. It's interesting because at Wintech, uh, maybe the ninety percent of my students they are from China, so it, just imagine how funny it is for me because it's teaching Spanish in English to Chinese people. They are lovely, but it's so funny. Oh, for me. It, it, it's great and it's it's yes. lovely for Hamilton. Well, how about the Fraser? Fraser is on Facebook or on Fraser yeah. website is uh, adult community yeah. education. Uh, you just can go there, you sign up and It yeah, must be an interesting go. place with all these different skills and aptitudes that are advertised um, for students to enroll with because then when the tutors come together, as I expect you do, you're exposed to all kinds of different skills. Yes, yes, it's it's amazing when you know you probably the adults that I teach they haven't been in school in ages and when they they are pretty the first day is quite scary because they're like okay I'm new here full of adults and this lady that she's speaking funny English so, <laughs> but at the end of the day they love it. They isn't, are like, this is amazing, Andrea. How, you know? Isn't it an interesting world? We'd like to thank you for coming along, Andrea Hacker Page and Tane Blake, your student, one of many, and sharing with us on Cosmopolitan News and Views. We'll be following you. Thank you. Thank and, you so much and, for and, having and, us. And please come back. And remember, this is Access Radio. You could come and do your own Spanish language program. Here on Free FM, Puts and Tane can come and help you and uh, bring the Spanish language to the populace via the radio and on the internet.
que coisa mais linda, mais cheia de graça Ela menina que vem e que passa Num doce balanço, caminho do mar Moça do corpo dourado, do sol de Ipanema O seu balançado é mais um poema É a coisa mais linda que eu já vi passar Porque estou tão sozinho Ah, porque tudo é tão triste Ah, beleza que existe A beleza que não é só minha Que também passa sozinha ah, se ela soubesse que quando ela passa O mundo sorrindo se enche de graça E fica mais lindo por causa do amor FM 89.0 Independent Community Media Yes, Astrid Galberto and the girl from Ipanema, I think we're welcoming a friend of the show. Good afternoon, Ralph Evans. Ralph Evans was due any time now, but we have here Gail Pittaway. Oh, hello, Gail. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hello, I could put on another voice, but no, uh, it's me. <laughs> Gail, you are the co-director of Hamilton Book Month, and you keep us in touch with what we wouldn't want to miss if we're into reading. That's right. Thank you for that. That's a nice way of putting it. I actually had a chat to some of the library staff this week about you, and uh, have we told them that uh, we're doing book month. So hopefully this interview is going to be part of the library um, website or something like that. Maybe they'll put it on there for the... For, for oh, the... that's great. Well, the library are our great pals and partners, so absolutely. We've got three events coming up at the, li the Central Library this week, and we just had a beautiful one on uh, Saturday morning. We had Dawn McMillan, who's a absolutely gorgeous children's writer. She does done a lot of very entertaining books and she was actually reading aloud from her books at Chartwell and at Rocket Storytime, you know, which is a monthly um, event for children, usually held at Chartwell. Yep, I, I, I saw the poster in the library going up and down there, as I do. Yes, yes, they do a lovely poster too, don't they? Mm -hmm. And that was one of her beautiful um, books about a knight who needed some decent underpants and um, <laughs> they got the kids illustrating underpants and singlets afterwards and then they hung them up on a washing line so that was a pretty cute thing to do and then we've got um, at the library coming this week we've got What Are Readers Reading actually tomorrow night um, one of the librarians the collections librarian Shannon Cooper is going to facilit facilitate that and that's actually like a book club so people are just going to be able to come along and talk about what they're reading at the moment and what, you know, just a real open, um, open the doors and let people in conversation. And um, there's $5 from that to go into that, and that will go towards the um, library, you know, mobile unit, getting books out to people who are otherwise immobilised at home. So it's a good cause as well. And I think people are going to be bringing any books they want to swap. Mm -hmm. So that should be quite nice. So that's at 6.30 tomorrow at the library. And 
then on Thursday night, you chaps might like. This is the Blokes Book Club. So men only. But it's <laughs> because so often book events are dominated by middle-aged, middle-class women, um, we tried to make uh, encourage a, uh, some opportunities for men to talk about their books and uh, talk and share books that they care about. And uh, we started last year with a blokes book club that the library picked up the idea, and it's been running for a year now, and it just um, runs once a month on a Wednesday yeah. night, I think it is. Um, I think the first Wednesday of every month. And or second Wednesday maybe, and it's rung uh, Mark Conter, who's the heritage librarian, hosts that, and it often is attended by other men and the library staff. And um, yeah, this one is I think chaps are invited to talk about their uh, adventure and action books. So Lee Child, Lee Child, and Lee Child might be very popular <laughs> to talk about there. Um, but that's in, again 6.30 to 8 um, Oh look I grew up on books I, I read the likes of Huckleberry Finn and Tom yes. Sawyer they, they, they were they were boys adventure books They were well, and they weren't easy to read were they when you think about them with all the accents and dialects and things I suppose you know I read them in I think, um, you know, watered-down version first and then read them as, as, as the, uh, the grown-up, read them in the Mark Twains, yeah. you know. And, and, and for the girls, it was Heidi and all that. and uh, Yes. <laughs> and watching, watching Shirley Temple play Heidi and... Um, I can still remember the images of that, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's a great initiative and it's lovely that it's had a year's, um, <clears throat> you know, ongoing... Involvement from I think a pretty loyal group of chaps who turn up, possibly not many, but you know this week um, it's open to all men to go and talk. It's a free event that one. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have a, a pub quiz, but I'm afraid it's booked out. That's one of our popular events run by Richard Swanson of Auteur House, um, and that's going to be Thursday night, and it's at the Londoner. Now there are often pub quizzes all around town, but um, every year. By special arrangement, Richard and his wife Janine make a literary pub quiz uh, just for book month and um, people can go and get a nice pub meal and a nice pub drink (laughs) and sit with teams of about six and all participate and it's really great fun. um, That's happening. If they ever made a New Zealand version of the chase, I think uh, Richard would be up there as one of the chasers. We could find him a nickname. Well, absolutely, yes, yes. Well, you know, he, I'm sure he'd come up with his own very happily. He's very imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> so you find that, Gail, it is helping to activate people who are readers of the past but to rejuvenate their interest in reading through these courses, the offers of opportunities to meet authors, to to analyse, and it's quite involved and calls for a lot of time on your part. Yes, it, it is, especially, you know, this month. But Catherine and I have been meeting either in person or by email or on Zoom basically since February, you know, at least once a week, and we email each other at least six times a day. <laughs> so, but we've, you know, got things in place that um, get set up and go very well. And we're building up um, relationships with other people to host events like the museum as well 
and um, WinTech, which is my workplace. So, uh, but we do. We find people are very, um, you know, welcoming. They know about us in advance now, and they say, "Oh, you're going to have your." Well, they st- some people still call it your book day. Some people call it your book week. Some people call it your book club. But it's actually a book month. <laughs> and we get quite a lot of people coming of all ages. Um, we had a very interesting script writing event yesterday, which was a new development for us. But we have had requests from people, you know, how do I get my stories or how do I turn my book into a script? And so we had a really great script writing. We had you know, wide, very wide range of um, people there attending it, out of ages, um, sort of some people under 20 and some people over 60, shall we say, <laughs> and that was really, really good. So um, all is going according to plan, Gail? Yes, it is. And in that case, we'll look forward to your next explanation <laughs> of what we didn't miss. Thank you. Now, just one more thing to plug, and that is one last thing at the Central Library next Saturday. Uh, and that's two wonderful children's authors, uh, Melinda Shimanick and um, uh, Karen McMillan, are talking about writing fiction and non-fiction books. That'll be popular. So that'll be lovely, and that's a free event right in that lovely central space at um, the Garden Place Library, 10 o'clock. Well, if, uh, if I'm in the area of the library on th- Thursday night, I may call into the bloke book. Oh, look. And then tell me about it next week. Because, of course, <laughs> well, I'm excluded. That's not fair. That's no, no. <laughs> I usually turn up, just take photos and feel a bit, you know, pleased. Oh, you could, you, could, you could always dress as a man. Yes, yes. Well, one could always do that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks, Gail. Okay, nice talking it's, to you. It's a pleasure. Talk to you again. Okay, bye. It is. It is. Uh, before we talk to Ralph Evans, get a ride this time, Scotty. It's 29 past one. We... Um, <coughs> We'll have some music, another track from that fabulous album, Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs. This is the late Marty Robbins. To the town of our free road, a stranger one fine day. Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip. The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip. It was early in the morning when he rode into the town. He came riding from the south side, slowly looking all around. He's an outlaw loose and running, came the whisper from each lip. And he's here to do some business with a big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip. In this town there lived an outlaw by the name of Texas Red. Many men had tried to take him and that many men were dead. He was vicious and a killer, though a youth of 24. And the notches on his pistol numbered one in 19 more. One in 19 more. Now the stranger started talking, made it plain to folks around. Was an Arizona ranger, wouldn't be too long in town. He came here to take an outlaw back alive or maybe dead And he said it didn't matter, he was after Texas Red 
after Texas Red. It wasn't long before the story was relayed to Texas Red. But the outlaw didn't worry men the tried before were dead. Twenty men had tried to take him, twenty men had made a slip. Twenty-one would be the ranger with the big iron on his hip. Big iron on his head The morning passed so quickly It was time for them to meet It was twenty past eleven When they walked out in the street Folks were watching from the windows Everybody held their breath They knew this handsome ranger Was about to meet his death About to meet his death There was forty feet between them when they stopped to make their play. And the swiftness of the ranger is still talked about today. Well, we've had a lot of Latin feel of the music this afternoon, and that's another one, the late Marty Robbins. And, uh, of course, that is called Big Iron. Talking about cowboys and all that, cowboys and Indians. But coming back to reality, we welcome our friend of the fa- family and friend of the show, Ralph Evans. Sir, good afternoon. Good afternoon to all the listeners and, of course, to the two lads sitting in front of me. Always in the thick of things you are, Ralph, planning for things of the future. After all, you have military command on one side and <laughs> social concerns. Something else on the other. I've, I've just promoted them this afternoon, actually, to the Major General, but uh, that's another that's another story. Well, I I have been knighted, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ralph, you know, we never know when to take you seriously. Indeed. We're too serious in this world, but let's get on to what's happening at, of course, it's the big big shed in uh, Claudens, of course, uh, better known as the Claudens Event Centre. A free event. Yes, so we have a couple of uh, free events coming up. So the first one is the Aspire Community Showcase happening the 18th and 19th of September. That's a Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this, this community event. What's the Spire Community Showcase mean? So the Community Showcase, we had a little bit of a name change. We were the Aspire Expo, but Community Showcase gives you more of a feel of what we're about. Uh, we are three expos that come together looking at community well-being from different angles. Mm-hmm. So there's the obvious one, which is the... Wellbeing Showcase, yep. which is all about physical, mental, financial, emotional well-being. Disabilities. Exactly. Uh, we have the Lifelong Learning Expo, Knowledge is Power, that sort of thing. And then there's the Clubs and Creativity Showcase, which is all about reducing isolation, getting people off their bums and joining something to get them out of the house, to get them out of themselves, to meet people so that they don't feel quite so alone. This is very modern, isn't it? There was a time when it was assumed that if people were alone, it was because they wanted to be. Indeed. On the other hand, uh, I have been in a large room full of people and felt totally alone. It's not a nice feeling. I've I've had that feeling. And, And, of course, we know there's a lot of clubs around the city that need promoting, like the men's sheds, of course. And, yes. Uh, and they probably sit at home and watch that BBC television program, and that happens on a Friday night where these all these little things get repaired. Ah, the repair shop. The repair. I, I enjoy watching some of those. It's quite interesting. The idea came out of a Kiwi, so of course it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You come from an interesting part of town in Hamilton. You're on the verge of a gully, a gully that's attracting big funding, lots of publicity. Uh, Yes, we have heard that uh, the council's put more money into the gully restoration program, and it's not just ours. I mean, there's gullies all over the place, which makes the town quite unique. So you and and others get out in their gumboots with their spades and... Indeed. Um, However, harking back to the event, of course, uh, the Fairfield project, which just happens to be on our gully, as it were, they will be at the uh, event. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's one of those things where we took the decision to go free to the public uh, a few weeks ago. It's amazing what doors have been opened as a result of that. Yeah. But you don't know that the doors were closed until you announced that it's free to the public. Yeah. Interesting. Human psychology. Apparently. Bloody-mindedness, possibly. Did I read somewhere that the Claudens Event Centre is to be renovated or something? They're changing... They're going to change a few things around? Well, they're certainly putting in lighting currently, (laughs) uh, which is good because it has needed that. Uh, and I would guess that, yes, there is either renovation or at least upgrading due to happen. I mean, the building itself is now 20 years old. Mm. Remember all the controversy over it? Yes, I do. (laughs) And you're bringing back to mind now the commemoration of the Springbok Tour protests. Indeed, yes. Were you part of that? I can neither comment either way. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the winter show, did you host a winter show this year? Uh, no, I'm no longer involved with the winter show uh, association, not for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been operating independently, as it were. And, of course, the, the other event uh, that we have coming up, because I did say we had two, is the Pacific Rose Festival, which for some reason has become the Pacific Rose Bowl Festival a few years ago. Uh, that's the 20th time that's been run in Hamilton mm-hmm. at the Rogers Rose Gardens and yeah. Hamilton Gardens. And again, a free event. Yeah. Of course, with with this area, Tiamutu is famous for roses. It's uh, the rose town. And we, of course, I've walked through that park, uh, through near Hamilton Lake, and you smell the roses. They're, they're beautiful. They're lovely. They're, oh, they're lovely scents. things. They have quite a tie to people's memory. It's quite often something you remember your mother doing or your grandmother doing and if you paid attention you learned how to prune roses yeah, and remove the, aphids because, and the, because the downside is getting a prick from the thorns well if you do have thorns on your roses because you can get uh, thorn free ones as well oh. hmm. modern developments well relatively modern uh, but yes the, the two events uh, have the added cachet that they're free to the public which is something that has become more and more important. Uh, when you don't have an awful lot of money to rub together, it's nice to have something you can go to, take the kids, and it doesn't have to cost you a fortune. It should make a big difference in attendance. Certainly hope so. Yeah. Are we given to understand that these special roses, these potential prize winners... Indeed. ...that they are growing outside now? They are indeed growing outside. I mean, that's the whole point of a, of a rose. You don't grow them inside. Well, unless you're growing them for export, etc. Uh, you grow them in gardens. But it only takes a slight imperfection and it loses the potential for a prize. I would have thought that strong winds would be a big hazard. Uh, potentially. 
However, the uh, the unusual thing about the Rose Festival is that it's the only one of its kind where the general public get to vote on what their favourite rose is. So the best rose in New Zealand is picked by the general public, not by professional rose growers, just but like, by people like us. Just like jury service. Exactly. Mm. And, of course, we've got to get a plug for the Imperial Army. So what what are, what are the boys and girls of the Imperial Army been doing lately? Well, the Clubs and Creativity Showcase is our baby as part of the Aspire Community Showcase. Uh, that was our original thing. So, gosh, this is our eighth one. Mm. Uh, we have a campaign to Nelson coming up. Yes. Uh, Ten Days in Nelson where we'll be teaching primary school children about the glories of the Battle of Waterloo, which uh, should be interesting. How did that come about? The Battle of Waterloo? <laughs> well, there was That's this chap long. called Napoleon. Yes. And it sort of rolled on from there. And, and of course, the, on the other side, there was, was it the Duke of Wellington? Indeed, the Duke of Wellington. And he, didn't he famously say, or somebody else did say, I've read it, that the Battle of Waterloo began on the playing fields of Eton or something like that, or... Uh, yes, I have heard that. The the thing that sticks more in the mind is that the um, the Duke's particular reading of the battle is that it was the closest run thing that you ever saw. Mm-hmm. That might be said too of the Battle of Britain and other events that are more modern. Indeed. Yeah. And of course, um, it's only a few weeks away, but we'll be commemorating the beginning of World War Two again in September, September. On, on September 3rd. So you're mm. going to be part of that? Is there going to be something happening there? As far as I'm aware, there's not a hell of a lot actually planned around that, which is a shame, but, um, yeah. Um, are you also, things. being of army mind, the battle over the statues in town, and I believe uh, the statue on Victoria Street of the soldier, the famous soldier painter, mm-hmm. the council are discussing Seven that at the moment. Jones. Yeah, the, the council are discussing um, discussing that at the moment whether it stays or whether it goes so i don't i don't know what's hmm. happening there yes well it, it took long enough to actually get him there in the first place and he certainly has ties to the area so it would make sense for him to stay but wiser heads than mine will no doubt make the decision one way or the other could we see in the future ralph evans on council as a council i doubt it Yes, just no. Well, no, you, no, no. If you no. can command an army, it might be quite easy by comparison. And it's paid. Gosh, it's paid. Well, in that case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll have to, you'll have to have a chat to Mr Bunting about that one. And, um, Indeed. <laughs> and just to reflect on these two things that are coming up, what are the dates for the Aspire Community Showcase? So that's the 18th and 19th of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, the event is free entry uh, if you want to go on a draw to win one of two Tahuia packages, family package then get one of the complimentary tickets put your name on it and a contact phone number and put it in the draw and you, you be, I haven't been on Tahuia yet have you taken a trip no, off? no, not yet know quite a few people who have did they report positively? Indeed, they like not having to drive all the way to Auckland. That's yeah, a good reason. I, I hear some dissent there with uh, numbers down, of course, but uh, hopefully it'll pick up when summer comes. True. Ralph, you're a man of a military mind, and we're watching on 
at military history unfolding where the world's most powerful nation is retreating from Afghanistan? I didn't think China was there. No, that other that other country who... Um... Oh, you mean that second-rate power. <laughs> In Afghanistan now, people have been protected, protected in the military interpretation for as long as 20 years they're going indeed they're pulling out as they said they would and now the taliban are they've and raided a city pretty well all of the um, commentators were expecting yes yep because i was watching rnz on the television this morning and that was one of the headlines so yes i can't remember the name of the regional capital that they captured a couple of days ago but in afghanistan could it have been foreseen? The Russians tried. They were there. They occupied and set up a puppet to lead the country. Well, they're not the only ones. I mean, it's been the Russians, the Indians, the British, the Russians. It's backwards and forwards down the history of Afghanistan. It has had so many different empires try to conquer it, and it's remained staunchly itself. Thank you very much. Is the moral of this that people are best left to themselves, their own, without the meddling of military with such power from abroad by people who couldn't identify a guerrilla from a loyal citizen of the Afghan government if they tried. Ah, well, now we're veering into politics because, of course, we also all have a responsibility to ensure that our friends and neighbours, or in fact the people that we don't know but are on the same planet as us, have the same rights and opportunities as everyone else. Of course, those Afghan interpreters who are now resident here, and they must be feeling a bit angry at the moment and what's happening to their home country. Probably fairly relieved that they're here, Mm -hmm. probably quite worried about their family that are still there. Yeah. And you've been a manager of a jewellery store. You must be angry that a lot of them are are now getting ram-raided, and uh, you must feel sorry for them. Yeah, the, the ram raid thing is a relatively relatively new thing. Yeah. Uh, it's becoming more and more of a problem, mm-hmm. and it seems to be not really with the intent of an awful lot of financial benefit for the ram raiders. More about having a bit of fun. Yeah, it just yeah. can't get my head around that. Not not only jewellery stores, but also grocery stores, service wanna, stations. Yeah, service stations. I was in Cambridge the sorry Leamington the other day. Better get me territory right. Yes, you, um, you could be drummed out of town. If well, you yeah, I used to live there. So, um, but uh, a, a grocery store in Leamington was ram raided, and the guy has had to put up a very heavy door where the window used to be. But hey, that's another that's another tale. We will have to get you back in here more more in the future, Ralph. Jolly good. It's, Happy to help. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Ralph Evans, a man of many many skills. How, how's your dancing? Can you dance? I can tap dance, but other than that, no. <laughs> because I've got, got a song from the past, keeping our Latin feeling here. La Bamba, the late Richie Valens.
to Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. That is La Bamba, the late Richie Valens, who died alongside Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper. Well, cars, cars, more cars. He carries a big list of them around. Good afternoon, Dwayne. Good afternoon, Bruce. Good afternoon, Mel. Good afternoon, Dwayne Porter. You're one who has always been interested in transport issues around the city and what you have come to observe. In fact, shocked at how common has become the theft of motor vehicles. What's your insight into that? Um, I can tell you there's been heaps of stolen cars that have been taken from the top of the North Island down through the South Island. They're trying to find a market for stolen goods? Yep. Stolen cars? Yes. It shouldn't be that simple. No. Because registration numbers, all that? Registration numbers, chassis numbers, and um, 90% of them are being burnt out. Um, and the most in common ones to get stolen are Suzuki's, Swift's, um, Nissan Tealers, Subaru's, Impressa, um, Subaru Legacy and Mazda Demos. Why do you suggest those are the most likely to be stolen? Is they, it because they are more common than other cars? Yes. And they're easy to break into. If where, you know how. Where people can actually get a screwdriver and leave no screwdriver marks on where they're breaking into yeah. to pull that rubber thing back. Yeah. And, of course, you just heard my comment with Ralph about Ram Road because he used to be a manager of a jewellery store here in town and he, he's feeling for these people who have got to spend a lot of money to protect their businesses. Um, yes, and also um, with the Ram Road, there was another one this morning. Where? Flagstaff. Not for the first time. The, about the fifth time they've been Ram Roaded. Have you had occasion to talk to any of the proprietors of these businesses to know what they think? Nope, but um, I read it this morning and it's even got video footage of it, of what they did. And the age of some of these people, we had a chat off, well, during the week about this. A lot of them are young people who are not in their teens, they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. And, of course, they know the law. The police can't touch them. Um, I agree. But, you know, to look at the video footage that I saw this morning, these youths were around about 16, 17, 18. Recognisable. Yep. Mm -hmm. Then, hopefully, they will have their ways questioned. Yes. Um, also, that to go through um, with the stolen vehicles and that, in the North Island, around in Auckland, the market price and uh, the market that has been stolen so far is around about seven hundred cars. In the White Kilo, there's about four hundred. Over which period? Six months. Six months. That's a lot of cars. Yep. Think of the inconvenience, the costs, and where that criminality may lead. Have you got a cure for it, Dwayne? Yes. Also, I've got a. Over in the Bay of Plenty, there's been about 450 stolen cars in the last six months. It's a good reason to ride a bike, I suppose. 
<laughs> or an e-scooter? I think so. Oh, bikes are stolen too, of course. Um, yes, some bikes are stolen, but, you know, it's easier just to go and get another one. Where do you think the motorist can protect themselves from thefts of their vehicles? They can easy to put alarm monitoring system thing in there. Also carry one of those um, uh, steering locks that they can't get them off. Well, of course, uh, you probably haven't read the news, but there's been a car accident in Washdyke and Timaru in the South Island today. Five people did. Um, and it sounds as if one of them was a young person. So what were they doing out, driving around Washdyke? Yep. Um, yes, I did actually read that. Um, you know, I can tell you the rescue, fire rescue toys and all them, you know, to go to a scene like that is one of the worst ones I've ever, you know, ever seen on um, on the news. Dwayne Porter, thanks for your observations shared with us on Free FM 89.0. And um, you're welcome. And also, John, said, say hello to Bruce and Mel. Yep. And, of course, let's have a bit of court news before we get our final comment for the afternoon. Eight defendants appeared in Hamilton District Court yesterday, three of whom Community Magistrate Wilson remanded in custody. The alleged offending went from unlawfully carrying a firearm, which was a restricted weapon, together with ammunition, to a charge of possessing methamphetamine and amphetamine for the purpose of supplying the restricted drugs to others. And it was announced that Community Magistrate Wilson is retiring in about six weeks, thanks to her worship that uh, we thank her for her interest in this radio station and what Mel and myself do. We've been playing a lot of Latin dance and song this week. That was a bit of Greek. Zorba the Greek, Herb Albert, and the two on a brass. And here's a guy who likes dancing. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, good afternoon. Yes, uh, I, I was listening to that tune and I thought, well, at, the, at this point of time, I, I wish I was in Greece with the blue skies and uh, the Mediterranean Sea that they have over there. Well, what I want to talk about today is statistics. 200 million. Yes, you heard me correct. 200 million. That's how many sharks are killed every year. And compared to how many people sharks kill per year worldwide, as the 200 million is for sharks, is nine. Now, who is the true predator in the ocean? It's not the shark, is it? So, look at bearing that in mind, it's not only sharks that are been depleted in their numbers, but all other sea life as well. They've got these huge ships doing massive uh, trawler fishing. Uh, The ships that the actual factories are floating on the sea, nets that go for many, many kilometres and are sweeping up everything that's in its its trail. And what's that say to the future? Well, will fish be a rarity? as a diet, if that. And there's also land animals are uh, endangered species as well. The big cats in Africa, 
the rhinos and the, particularly the elephants, all going for their tusks and the horns for the rhinos for medical medicinal purposes, which has been scientifically proved is non-effective. So where is this all going to end? The ecological aspect of the planet is in jeopardy. Well, plus we've got climate change as well. Where will we be in 50 years? And there's been a discussion this week on the future of greyhound racing here in New Zealand. So. Well, yes, there's a cruel aspect about that, and if they can't keep up the pace, they get, they get euthanised. So, you know, and actually some of them are drugged to make them run faster. Columnist, animal rights activist, Trevor Lloyd, thank you for being part of our Sunday afternoon again. And uh, you sound to get a bit of a sniffle there, uh, Trevor. Oh, well, as the winter things, you try and fight off these things as they come along. Here, and of course, Mel and I had a discussion about summer coming along too. It's not far away. I look forward to it. Now, we're looking forward to it too. It's a very wet day. Can't give you any COVID information. We've run out of time. Have a fun day on the rebooted Cosmopolitan News and Views. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll do it again around 20 to 1 next Sunday afternoon. Ta-ta. In the summertime.
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.